you, you should have always something in the future that you're trying to get to that's going to push you and develop you. Uh, I'm, I'm a firm believer of we're never just standing still. We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. And if you don't have something on the calendar and you're not moving towards something, you're slipping, man. You're moving backwards and right. you're going to wake up one day and go, how did I get here? Hey, hey, welcome back to the Not Almost There podcast. It's been a minute as I was working on launching a new business, Go Brewing, on top of my day job. Go is one of the first breweries in the nation with a tap room focused on no and low alcohol beer, and we could not be more excited. We've been open for just over a month and things are starting to come together. So I get to jump back into this world and I'm so pumped about this episode. I heard once that beginnings often find their way in endings, and I can't agree with that more. As many of you know, I put on a conference called Refuel for the last five years, and now that is coming to an end in its current form. But in thinking about what was great about Refuel and missing, I created a new concept called Storytellers, which will aim to have three to four times a year versus once and combine activity with one speaker versus many, making it a little more quaint and we could deep dive into Q&A and a lot of other good stuff. We just had our first event a week ago and I couldn't be more pleased with our first storyteller, James Lawrence, also known as the Iron Cowboy. He spent the better part of two days with me, we chatted a lot, he rode a trainer inside the brewery and we all went for a five mile run that was pretty awesome. But before that, we recorded this podcast And I didn't get too far into the story in the podcast as I recommend you deep dive yourself as he has a movie on Amazon Prime aptly named The Iron Cowboy, The Story of 50-50-50, which is an account of what seems to be an impossible feat, James completing 50 Ironman distant triathlons in 50 days in 50 states. It's kind of mind-blowing if you just think about that, the logistics and everything that goes into something like that. But what's even crazier is that a few years later, he accomplished another world record, finishing 101 Ironmans in 101 days. It's really hard to even comprehend that. But what I love about this story and why this is approachable, if that makes sense, is how he got started. He could not do a four mile run back in 2008 with his wife. It was like a turkey trot type thing. She looked at him and said he was pathetic in the nicest way possible, which just lit a spark. And I certainly can relate to that. I remember my first uh, 5K, probably around that time frame, uh, was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I had people of all walks of life passing me, uh, very out of shape people and uh, and folks pushing um, baby strollers. The majority of the race passed me. And I just remember how I felt very pathetic and I needed to get into shape. So it's pretty cool to know what is possible, and this story and podcast certainly illustrates that. Today we talk about that moment, uh, training tips for anyone looking to do their first Ironman, mental toughness, and more. I'm excited for you to listen and enjoy the conversation. So without further ado, here we go. All right, man. We're going to get rocking. Yeah, I'm ready. James, welcome. Thanks, brother. So great to be with you today, man. Incredible event last night. That was so fun. You blew everyone away. Um, Some people knew your story. Others didn't. Those that didn't obviously walked away 
I'm sure buying your book, watching the Amazon movie and everything else. It's absolutely my favorite thing to come into an event as the least known person and leave with the greatest impact. Uh, It's, it's, it's so fun to watch that, that shift in people. Don't know who you are. Changed my life. (laughs) Well, you certainly, you certainly did that. And to me, you were known as the person that I watched uh, the documentary, the 50-50-50, a few years back. It was yeah. on Amazon, and you're watching that, and it's obviously incredible, and you can't even fathom how you were able to accomplish that. And then a few years later, you, I don't want to say one it up, because that was, that was crazy in its own right, because you had to transport yourself from state to state. Yeah. Um, and, well, and, and, and to be honest with you, that's why the 50 was so hard was because of the logistics. Right. And I mean, we live in our little bubbles where we live. The United States is massive. <laughs> it's huge. And then you throw in Hawaii and Alaska and it just, just infinitely complicates things. And so, yeah, it just, from the outside looking in, the, the impressive part was the the 50 Ironmans or full distance triathlons. Um, it was a logistics with a with a family of five. Yeah, I, I heard, I heard you say that five too. Kids. Yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. And, and then you, then you did the hundred and one. Yeah, I think your goal was a hundred, and then you woke up the next day and you're like, let's do one more. Yeah, um, which we'll get into in a little bit. But what I want to like back this up a bit because you know I've heard you talk about the the five k turkey trot or the it was a four, four mile four, four mile, mile fun race run. four yeah. mile fun run yeah. around Thanksgiving two thousand eight. Yeah, that you struggled with. I want to start there, but I want to slow down a bit because it. The story I know goes from there and it goes to the marathon. Um, I think that makes sense. But then from the marathon to the first Ironman is where I want to I want to spend some time. Sure. That said, I think to set up for the audience, let's go back to that four-mile run. What happened? Yeah, so uh, I grew up loving sports, did everything I could, got really competitive with wrestling in Canada, um, dreamed of going to the Olympics, uh, big Olympic guy. And... Um, it, it, I can give any excuse I want, but I just, I wasn't mature enough, didn't know enough, got injured, um, ended up winning state and, and thriving in the sport. I was super happy with my senior year, went undefeated. Um, but as you get older, you don't have a competitive outlet anymore. And fast forward, newly married, couple newly kids, living the American dream. Um, and my wife says, hey, let's, you know, we've got a local four-mile fun run here. It's on Thanksgiving. Why don't we go do it together? And I was like four mile fun run that sounds stupid nobody runs for fun <laughs> it's like torture and uh and so went and did the went and did that and as i'm running um just really started to realize i wasn't healthy um because my heart was pounding my lungs felt like they were going to explode and i remember the moment i look over and i'm i'm being passed by beautiful women pushing their kids in strollers <laughs> and uh that, that was a moment I, after I finished the race, my wife was like, you're a little bit pathetic. And uh, then signed me up for that marathon, said, figure it out. We, we ran the marathon together. Um, she was able to walk the next day. I wasn't. And so again, it was a moment of realization that like, man, how come other people can walk and I can't, I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those moments in life where you're like, I can let that define me. And that's the end of my running and endurance experience. Or I can do a deep dive into, you know, why why I'm sore, why I'm hurt, why most of the field went faster than I did. 
And so then that's how we transitioned from the marathon into triathlon because I, I didn't really enjoy just running. And it was at the, the peak of Lance Armstrong's heyday, but I, I'd never seen, you know, I grew up in Canada. It's hockey, hockey, hockey. And I'd never seen anything about bikes or Tour de France mm -hmm. or nothing like that. And he says, hey, it's the final day of the tour. And Lance is doing the the victory lap on the Champs-Élysées. And, and I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, uh, but I'll come over. And I sat down and watched it. And I was just captivated mm -hmm. by this cycling sport. And he was like, hey, I'm doing this race um, locally here. It's called a sprint triathlon. You want to do it? And I was like, yeah, I do. And I didn't know how to swim, didn't own a bike. And that's what kicked off the entire thing. In fact, it was him saying, he told me his times and I'm, kind of thinking and doing the math and i'm like i could do that and he goes i bet you a hundred bucks you couldn't do that and we we're one year away from that race hmm. and so that bet standing there in his living room watching the tour de france sparked this whole triathlon thing and did that race i beat the time and felt i had a knack for it and signed up for every possible sprint uh, distance race i could over the next two years and just started to really gain experience and a couple years later, did a half Ironman and then did an Ironman, and then the rest is history. Hmm. So in that first marathon, when you were running with your wife, did you follow a strict training program? Yeah. I mean, this was the wild, wild west, and there wasn't the it wasn't like training information or anything, overload yeah. and everything there's now. And uh, I think it was a, like a, a, a free Hal Higdon yeah. running marathon couch to mar uh, marathon program and you took serious like you followed step oh by step. i followed it step by step for sure and i dude sunny's still sunny's my wife she still makes fun of us today because i had one buddy mike who we were doing it together with and all our training and i'd come home on a saturday and i'm like sunny we did six miles today and it was our long run as we were building up through this program and now we look back on it and you know perspective's funny but we we, we warm up with six miles now <laughs> right yeah well we're about to do that in a little bit. Yeah, It'll be a exactly. nice warm-up run for you. Uh, so the when you got into then the triathlon, what was the hardest thing for you? Was it swimming because you weren't a swimmer, or was it the cycling side? No, cycling came really naturally to me, um, and it's now it's now my favorite and what I gravitate to. Uh, swimming was the hardest because you know it's like if you do you know we walk around normal upright and we walk around going forward. Well. I think swimming and golf are really hard things to learn as adults because everything is sideways or in a different plane. And it's, it's a very unnatural way for us to go. And, and it feels like we're doing one thing. And then if you put your swim stroke on video and you're like, that's not me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and, but then you can start to break it down. But swimming was de definitely the hardest. I remember one of my first swim practices um, where I was just trying to figure it out. I was a local gym, went with my buddy and he warmed up and he did 800 meters straight. And it, it literally blew my mind that, that he could go straight and not stop because at that point in my journey, I, I was, I was trying to just go one way and back without touching the wall or the ground. And I was figuring out how to relax and the breathing in the water. And so when I say I didn't know how to swim, I mean, I could, in the summer, I could jump off the dock and get over to the boat if I needed to, but, um, not, not that kind of swimming. Uh, it was very foreign to me and it was just, just something I had to learn, um, as an adult. And it's, man, if you got kids, put them in swim school, <laughs> put them in swim, swim team, uh, because it's a, it's a skill they'll use much later in life. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I was training for a triathlon years ago and I was in the same boat. Like I could swim yeah. um, and I could swim in a lake and swim for fun. But in terms of like doing laps back and forth, um, but I, re I remember the night vividly when it kicked in, when I was like, 
gotten into a flow and I'm like, oh, I could just keep swimming. Yeah. It was like literally like that. Um, I mean, it took me a while to get there, but then it just clicked one random night and I'm just like, man, I could actually do this. I actually know how to swim now. It's the number one reason, excuse, or the largest barrier of entry to triathlon racing is is the swim because people are like okay yeah i grew up riding a bike i can get a bike yeah we can all run put one foot in front of the other but that swim part for a lot of people is daunting especially when you get into uh, open water ocean lake swims i mean it, it gets scary it's dark it's cold you don't know the creatures that are in there and so it, it really starts to play tricks on people's minds in a pool, it's lit. You can stand up. There's a black line to follow. You're by yourself for a lot of the time. In open water, it's it's a fight, and uh, you got to you got to be ready for that moment. Yeah. So, when did you go from the sprints to the Ironman, and was there a step in between those two things? Yeah, for sure. So, triathlon is anything swim, bike, run, and there's four traditional distances: sprint, Olympic, half, and full. And each time, the basically the distance doubles. And so the, for the first two years, I did about 15 races a year, um, just all sprint. And, and, and I think it was the, one of the best things I did, not on purpose, but it allowed me to really practice transitions and get the speed part of the sport down. If you look at every world champion today in the full and half distance, they came from what's called ITU racing. It's the racing that's done in the Olympics and it is just raw speed. And then they take that speed and stretch it out over time. I, uh, one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is they get all motivated, they get inspired and they go from couch to Ironman um, without developing you know, all the speed and the support cast around your muscles. You and I talked about it last night, how the muscles develop way quicker than ligaments and tendons and all these things. And, um, and, and that's why, that's why when the newest member of the community comes in and starts running, I had the same experience, dude, my, I thought I had knee problems and I'm like, see, Sonny, I told you I can't run. I have mm. bad knees, but it's because my muscles were starting to adapt and, and the ligaments and tendons weren't, weren't catching up fast enough. And so you endurance racing, you really have to take time. And anyone that's planning to get into the sport, start, start with five K's, start with sprint triathlons. You're not less of a person because you're doing these shorter distances and working on your speed and your technique and, and developing that true foundation. And it's true with anything in life. Like you, you don't go from like zero business experience to opening up a, a go brewery, right? Like there's a process that happens before it to lay the foundation, to be able to go, okay, I have the confidence now to be able to do this. I have the experience to do that. And so I just, I just raced as much sprints as I could started doing a couple Olympics. Olympics aren't my favorite distance because, um, the swim is longer in comparison to the bike and the run. It's more, it's mm -hmm. pretty equal across the board on all of them. And I love, I love, uh, my favorite's the half Ironman distance because it's got a 1.2 mile swim, which is very similar to the Olympic, but twice or a little bit more on the bike. So 56 miles. And that's where I do my damage is on the bike. And so if I get a little bit behind in the water, I've got enough time, but an Olympic, it's really hard for me to compete. Um, fastest Olympic I've ever done is an hour 56, um, which, which is pre pretty quick, um, in, 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 race, quick. in racing standards to go under two hours. Um, and that was, that was when I was like really focusing on speed and, and power and things like that. So it's, it's been fun. And then, and then, and then I didn't, I didn't go right to the full either. I, then I did a couple halves and because when it, on the surface it's the same sport, right? Swim, bike, run. 
But when you go from the Olympic to the half and the half to the full, uh, there's so many components that can trip you up. And one of the biggest ones is nutrition. And if you get your race day nutrition wrong in a half or a full, you're done. You're literally done for it. But you can get away with a few mistakes in in a in a sprint or an Olympic because they're so short. You you just need a little bit of hydration, maybe a quick shot of glucose, because um, it's such a short short race. So stand on that for a second. What what are some fail safe things that you could do race day for the number one thing? Yeah, number one thing you could do to to ensure your safety and, and accuracy on race day is every time you do a longer session, you need to be practicing exactly what you're going to do. When race day comes, guesswork is over and you should know exactly what you're going to take and how your body reacts with it. And so anybody that's training for an Ironman, part of the training sequence is your nutrition. And all, like I said, on those longer days, you need to write down exactly what you did, how long between in, in intake of that food, and then how you felt. And then if you, if you, if you hit a day where you feel good, duplicate that exact same thing the following week. And then if you start to, if you, if something was off, tweak and then continually tweak. It's so frustrating. I get, I get messages. Uh, a lot of people send me messages. Hey, can I get a tip? Can I this and that and the other? Um, I'm doing my first Ironman. What's your advice? Um, and it's always frustrating. They're like, I'm racing next weekend. What should I do for my nutrition? Mm. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm not, I'm not even answering this question. That's something that you should have been leading up to come to me six months before that and say, Hey, what are some things you'd throw in as nutrition advice? And then, and then we'll tweak that along the way. But yeah, it's, it's entertaining to me that, and I'm like, that person's in trouble. If they're going into an Ironman and they do not have their nutrition dialed, they're in for um, some a few surprises on race day. What's something that you learned? I'm sure you didn't get it perfect every race uh, about that. Yeah, well, I think one of the big aha moments for me w w with racing the full distance is I'm not trying to feel full. I'm trying to fuel the effort. And, and I, I now fuel a lot on race day with um, not a lot of solids, but a lot of like quick absorbable nutrition that is like rocket fuel. So a lot of glucose, mm -hmm. um, and you're going to feel hungry and if, if, and feeling hungry doesn't mean you're not being nourished, but if you put a lot of food and everything in your stomach while you're racing, dude, that's just recruiting all your blood to your stomach. And now it's taking it away from your muscles mm -hmm. and that's really going to impact you. So my, one of the biggest realizations I have was I don't need to feel full while racing. I'm okay feeling hungry, knowing I'm still being fueled for the effort. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Someone listening to this that wants to do an Ironman, let's just say that they are on the couch, or maybe they've done a 5K at best. How much time should they plan in order to, to get there in thinking about what you just said? So you start the sprint, Olympic, half. Are we looking at two years, three years? Yeah, I mean, are we talking about a 300-pound person? Are we talking about a fit, uh, or a semi-fit 180 person, right? So it's, yeah, it's, it's very different. But if, you, if you're to take your average person who has been somewhat sedentary but has been living somewhat a healthy lifestyle can can cover certain markers or you know can run a 5k can maybe bike an hour to two hours at an easy moderate level maybe just one hour and then can get across a pool right that we can work on um I, I, my my suggestion is always like look let's do a solid year run up to this 
And during that training block, we're going to do either a real or simulated sprint Olympic and half as we go, as we go up to it. Um, uh, you don't have to run a marathon before doing an Ironman. Um, I think it's really hard on the body to do that. And so I won't have any of my athletes run more than about 18 miles, um, leading up to the event. Um, cause, cause you just don't need to, if, if you're doing really smart training, you're training in a way that you're going on race day, you're going to going to be going slower than most of your training runs. And so if we've done it right, we've taught your body to process lactate at a really high level. And then we're going to dial it back on race day because we're going to extend the amount of distance and time that we're on our feet. Um, and so I, I would, I always encourage people and we have, um, we, we train athletes and, and we have a year program. So a year zero to, to Ironman, but during that year, we're not just training. We're going to be doing some races. We're going to be doing some strength training. We're going to really focus on nutrition. And so we're really going to get you ready. And I, and I believe anybody, if they're dedicated, disciplined and do the work, it, it, really anybody, even, even the bigger guys and gals out there that, that want to do it. Um, if we really hone in on your nutrition, um, it's, it's fascinating what your body will do if you give it the right tools and and give it the the love um that that it that it deserves um and so even even if you're you know oh i can't possibly do that i'm overweight no we we can get you there uh the beginning part's just going to be a little a little bit different and we're going to train you a little bit different too we'll customize it to to the individual got it so a year is realistic i think a year is very realistic for anybody yep that's incredible uh one of the uh, other things that i've learned uh over the past several uh several races that that i've done is when you're when you're done with the race the marathon i just finished a marathon recently i was told to start to take a break and then start the training cycle over again from zero but obviously you doing 50 ironmans in 50 days and 101 um in 101 days that isn't possible. So what, what's your advice there and how, how do you bridge that gap? Is that, is that a fallacy that you should take a break and then start over from zero? No, you know, what's interesting is if you're, if you're racing a one-off event, a marathon, a half, a full, things like that, um, you're, you're doing damage to your muscle fibers. And even when we feel good, we still need to take a little bit more time off before we start getting back into a, a pretty rigorous, intense training schedule. Now I, 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 you know, if, if I'm in my, if I'm in full train mode, full race mode, uh, and I, I, I'm in my training block, I hit my A race. Um, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna take a couple of weeks off, not sedentary. I'm still gonna do light work, but I'm not gonna start all the way back at the beginning of my training program. I'm gonna jump into where my fitness level is, knowing that I'm completely recovered. Cause, you know, when you, when you're, when you're at the beginning of a cycle, the, the volume can be really low. Um, and you want to build up to it to not get hurt. But if you're a seasoned athlete and doing it a lot, um, you can, you can jump right back into training after a couple of weeks of, you know, some low volume work. Um, the 50 and the hundred are very unique circumstances. Mm -hmm. There's no zero opportunity to recover. And, and that's why we were criticized on how we trained. I, I understood that I had to become very durable because there's just going to be a ton of attrition that happens mm -hmm. with my body. And it, it becomes a, a, a game of how long can I hold on before I break, mm -hmm. uh, both mentally and physically. And so to be very durable, uh, be understanding there is no time in between events. Um, and it, it's just, a, it, it's just trying to figure out how to navigate the injuries or the dis discomfort that pop up and having kind of a world-class team around you to try to attempt something like this. I, I can't do this on my own. 
Uh, the body needs so much attention. It's almost impossible to put into words the compounding effect of an Ironman a day over time. Mm -hmm. um, and as you do more, that becomes increasingly significant. Um, and so it's just a matter of learning how to hold on, manage um, injuries and discomfort through progression. Um, I mean, there's a huge, I think there's a huge lesson in there in life when things get hard and difficult to, you know, manage those situations and keep pressing forward instead of, you know, giving up and adjusting, you know, qu quitting. You always want to adjust course, but like mo a lot of people I see is they, when something becomes uncomfortable, they, their first thing is to completely quit. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, we need to back off and reassess, but I think the, our, our innate immediate reaction is to completely stop. Yeah. You touched on this a few minutes ago, but I want to, I want to go back to it. When I was training for the last race I had, which was the marathon, I was trying to outsmart the program a bit. <laughs> and, and what, it, what in my mind and what I even told others is like, yeah, as long as I hit my long runs, I'm good. Yeah. And what happened is, um, I was just getting fed these workouts through training peaks and, and in the notes section, there was a comment that said, your weekly mileage is what's important. Your long runs aren't that important in terms of the, the scheme of things. Sure. And luckily I had six weeks left before the marathon when I read that. And I was like, and it just, I just lit up because I didn't know that before. Yeah. And then I was like, why am I trying to outsmart this program? Like it was developed for, <laughs> for a reason. Purpose, yeah. So, so then I start to follow exactly the, uh, the daily training recommendations. Uh, I didn't miss a beat, 100% compliance. And man, James, I'm telling you, it made the biggest yeah. difference yeah. for the race. I was so strong. Yeah. I just felt great about everything and I was more confident. And the, it was, significantly easier than than I thought before. So I just want to, anyone who's has a training program or that's listening to it, do not do what I did and just try to hit your long runs. Yeah, you, you bought the training plan for a reason. <laughs> why why try to outside? Well and if it's a good design training program, all of the workouts have a purpose yep. and a reason for doing them. And and a lot of times it's hard for athletes that are super competitive to respect an easy day. And you're like, this is absolutely doing nothing for me. And, and in fact, our coaching philosophy is um, to soar. How high can you soar? S-O-A-R. And it stands for stress, optimize, adapt, and recover. And that R, recover, is actually one of the most important pieces to the training sequence and cycle. Um, if you don't do that, you're not going to be able to go as hard on your hard days when asked. And it's really going to impact the overall flow and uh and value that the program actually has for you. So I, I love that you said that. Um, yes, follow the program. <laughs> if it's a good one, um, it will benefit your life. Uh, something that you had mentioned is strength training. And one of the things I noticed about your body is like you're muscular. When I look at other kind of triathletes, I don't see that. And, and I'm the type that, you know, I like that look, I like to have yep. muscles. And when I am training for a longer race, even though I'm, I'm doing my, my strength training in the morning, my body starts to, to change a bit and I get sure. a little lankier. My muscles seem to dissipate a bit. Yep. What are some tips that you can provide for someone like myself that wants the best of both worlds? And then, um, secondly, how important is strength training? Yeah, I'll answer that one first. I think strength training is is paramount. Um, I think it's one of the most overlooked, um, not just in triathlon, but in society in general. Um, there's a lot of studies that are coming out now that longevity in life has to do 
is is really tied to strength training and muscular development and lean muscle mass. And, you know, especially for ladies out there, they're, they're intimidated by strength training. They think they're going to put on bulk. You're not going to put on bulk. It takes synthetic testosterone for the ladies to put on bulk. Um, and, you know, is someone that someone that has some lean muscle mass that's working out versus someone who doesn't. And then you both go to the movies and sit beside each other. That person that has more muscle, lean muscle mass is going to burn calories while the other person isn't. They're going to burn more calories. And so just in general life, strength training, it leads to long, longer health. It leads to more happiness in, in your, in your life. You can do more. You're going to feel better. Um, but in terms of endurance racing, um, th there's a tipping point, right? So if you're like a, a high, high level pro, um, you're doing an incredible amount of volume. If you're training properly, you're doing the right intensities, right intervals, you can do some less strength training. You still need to do it, but they're looking at a very specific power to weight ratio that they're trying to achieve. And you want to be a certain weight, low enough of a weight to produce the highest amount of power or speed that you can. And so it's super important. So when I'm when I'm in race race mode, if I get down to about 163 pounds, I can keep my functional threshold bike power above 310, and that's a good range for me. And as soon as I start to drop below that 162 or three, I start to see my power drop. So I'm getting now I'm getting diminishing returns. Um, but like you, dude, I I want to look good too. I want to look athletic, and so now I'm in the phase of my life where I'm looking at my overall health. Um, I'm okay sacrificing a little bit of that raw speed um, to go for the win in the race, um, and so I'm do I'm doing a lot more strength training in my race, and then and, and then obviously when I do these challenges, I'm actually bulking up strength wise because I know I have to I have to be durable. Um, I have to withstand the the withering that's going to take place. Mm -hmm. And so, long answer, but but strength training is absolutely paramount, both in and out of the sport of triathlon. So, do you elevate your protein levels and increase those during that time because they're getting depleted to increase your your muscle tone? Yeah. So for me, I do. Uh, I work with a company called First Form, and they I do their protein. I'm also on their creatine and a bunch of uh, just a uh, just a great stack for for working out. Um, yeah, so I, I follow what's called macros. And mm -hmm. so I, I not only track my protein, but I, I track my proteins, my carbs and my fats. And depending on what cycle I'm at, if I'm cutting, if I'm trying to lean, lean up to a big race, I'll adjust the amount of protein, I'll adjust carbs, I'll adjust fats. And so right now I'm trying to lean out a little bit. And so my protein's really high and my carbs and fats are going to be a little bit lower. So right now I'm at 200 grams of, of uh, protein, 175 of carbs and 70 of fats. That puts me around 2,100 calories, which isn't a ton for someone who's pretty active. Um, but and this is a whole nother topic, but I, you know, I, I had to, I had to take a year off of the hunt after the hundred consecutive um, triathlons and we had cognitive issues with our brain and I had, you know, I, I, I had about 25 pounds of weight gain, uh, which on a five, eight frame, it's not a good look, especially when you're the iron cowboy and you're <laughs> expected to show up somewhere. And, and so I've, I've really dialed it in. I, I feel like I'm in a really healthy place right now. I've lost 21 of the 25. Um, I'm almost back down to where I'm like, okay, I could, I could be competitive again next year. Um, and I'm looking forward to some, some bigger races in 2023. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the things that you uh, you talk about is this alter ego, and you're James Lawrence, but you're also the Iron Cowboy. Sure. And I I love this idea and this concept 
and I've heard of this before. And in some ways when I'm on stage, I do the same exact thing. Like I, I put on this persona and I flip the switch Yeah, and it's, I don't have a name per se, but like, it's been very helpful to like, think about that. Like I'm the, I'm a superhero and I'm on stage. When did you realize that that was even a thing? Yeah. So, uh, I, I, I did it by accident, but I'm, I'm now, I've really gotten into reading lately and it's, it's just cause I'm, I had that brain cognitive therapy and I, I really respect the fragility of the mind and so I'm, i I want to grow it and just have it be my strongest muscle um, but i read something the other day that um if you can disassociate the, the conversation that you're having with yourself from i'm doing this to the iron cowboys doing this there, there's less guilt or pressure or things associated with it in fact there's more motivation and, em and empowerment if you can remove one level or two levels away from yourself and so by creating that alter ego, that's exactly what I was doing because it was no longer James that was doing it. It was the Iron Cowboy. And once you create that character, um, for some reason, mentally, you can manage and cope and go through that very differently um, the way that your, your, your brain and your subconscious perceives it. I'm not an expert on how to talk about it yet. I'm still really learning about that concept, but it's exactly what we did. And it, it, to me, I can trace it all the way back to... Um, race number 30 in the 50 i was in connecticut it was kind of this breaking point moment for me and i i remember getting off my bike and just falling into the grass in in a heap of mess and um i just started to cry because i was just like i'm done i can't do this um and that th that moment it was captured on the documentary that's on netflix and prime right now um but it was in that moment and it was just a five minute period where I just had to really wrestle with myself and my mind. And, and I, I looked over my bike and I said, I can turn those pedals over one time. That's not going to kill me. And, and I got back on my, I, I stood up, I put on my glasses there, my yellow glasses. And as soon as I put those glasses on, I transformed from James to the iron cowboy. And it was a thousand percent focus it was just in, an incredible amount of drive. And I was this new person and I just focused lit. I was so hyper-focused on just the next second. And I tell people all the time now you can be perfect for one second and that's all you have to do. And then you just have to stack seconds on top of each other. And what's interesting, if you look at my times from the last, uh, over the last 20 in that 50 journey, those 20 were my fastest of the 50. And the 50 and final day was an 1132 Ironman. And we dipped under seven minute miles during portions mm. of that marathon. And it's all because I no longer was trying to be James Lawrence, the father and the husband. I was the iron cowboy. And so for me now, anytime I put on my yellow sunglasses, dude, it's a switch. Mm -hmm. And that dude is a bad, bad man. <laughs> That's great. So when you're running, what do you think about yeah. Um, th there's, there's a couple of levels to this question. Um, if I'm running, if I'm enjoying myself, or biking. If I'm having a good time yeah. or biking, um, it's just that it's a good time. You're in kind of that flow state. You feel good. Everything's clicking. Nutrition's fine. Um, and then there's some darker moments and in those middle area, darker moments, you have to shift the conversation in your head. You can go back to a memory. You have to, I call it going from the darkness to the light. Everybody's got some positive experiences in their life. 
you can shift that because the way you think changes the way you feel. Motion also creates emotion. And so all these things start to to get better. Now, when it gets real <laughs> and and it, you 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 pass that threshold of like, I can't get out of this darkness, um, you have to learn how to turn your brain off. And and that unfortunately, that takes time to develop that skill set, which means you got to go to a dark place um, more more than you probably want to. Uh, but what's fascinating is once you get really good at it and you've practiced your craft to where you can do things unconsciously, then you have that ability because I can go completely blank when it's when it's real. I can go completely blank in my mind and I can progress forward, but I can only do that because I've practiced that craft over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so when it gets real and you're back into that corner and it's almost that impossible state, you have to have the ability to completely turn your mind off and then your body has to go to over, over, um, autopilot. What I realized too, along my training journeys is the more I felt prepared for something, the better off I was. And it's, and it stacks and gets easier and that starts to shut down and you start to think about the positive things or yeah. just like, Oh man, I got to run. I have three more miles. I have, I have two more miles. And this last race I did because I followed even that six week block, like the training regimen and was a hundred percent in compliance. It was night and day mentally yeah. different. Pre preparation trumps everything. Um, I, I, I can, I can talk to anybody at the end of the race. We can dissect their race and then I can go over their training plan and I can, I can draw a correlation every single time. There's obviously outliers, um, situations or moments, but for the most part, you can draw an exact parallel to the experience you just had and the preparation and sacrifice that you were, you put into that. And to be honest with you, it's exactly what happened in the hundred. I, I deserved everything I got during that because of the preparation I did. The pandemic hit and, and it literally, we put together and, and you got to you got to remember there was five years between the fifty and the hundred, and I had gotten comfortable, I had gotten complacent, um, and it, but in your mind you remember how great you once were, <laughs> and for me it was it was literally a it came so quick because of the opportunity and the window that we had. My world is speaking and coaching and and big events, all of that one hundred percent went away, and so when when like literally forty eight hours my calendar gets wiped clean and I'm going okay what do I do now. And it was a four month training block to get ready for the arguably the most difficult endurance challenge in history. And uh, I was relying on my past experiences, my mental toughness. And that's really why we were able to navigate the hundred is because I got into a lot of physical problems really early and I had to go on that autopilot and, and rely on that experience to get through it. And so, I fully recognize the the ramp up to the hundred was is a direct reflection to the suffering that I experienced on the hundred. Your preparation is always a direct reflection of the results that you experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's right on. So when you think about what's next, how far out do you go? Because uh, you seem like the type of person who is always wants to push the boundaries. Now that said, I heard you say, and I totally agree. And it's very pragmatic to think like, okay, if you do do this huge feat again, you do 150, like you're not going to move the needle that much because 101 is already mind blowing, right? Like yeah. 
you can only blow someone's mind so much before sure. they're just like, okay, yeah. whatever, I, whatever, I, Jane. I, I think yeah. I think we've reached the right a, a, so somewhere we can sit where the mind blow will stay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what's what's next in terms of where you, where you want to go with your life? Yeah, for me, um, I have the no, this is this this is a really cool place to be and get to, and this is where I challenge everyone to get to, and why you should continually show up on your journey so that when real life happens to you, you're ready mentally and physically for that. But for me, um, I have the knowledge I could go do 200 if I wanted to. Um, it would be a dogfight. But the amount of preparation and sacrifice I would have to make, just like you said, doesn't match the the needle moving in our ability now to help people get out of their own way. And that's become our new mission is to have people experience what we've experienced as a family um, and have that absolutely bulletproof mindset that you can go do anything. And so for me, I'm totally satisfied in the endurance suffering space. And I'm really shifting my focus now to events like this and podcasts. And we're writing our second book and we've got a third one that we have planned. Uh, the next documentary is coming out. And so really I've shifted my focus to that type of thing. And, you know, we have those five kids. And when they were younger, it was a lot easier to do these big challenges. Uh, I got four teenage girls at home now and they've got jobs and social lives and things they want to do. And for me, it would now become extremely selfish to go and gallivant and do something else. And I want to, I want to make, you know, I got four weddings and four college and all these things mm -hmm. with these girls. And then, and then my son's coming up too. Um, I've got a six year window left with them in my home. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so important to have, um, a good relationship with your kids. Um, and I, and I really want to put a focus and attention on that. Um, and, and we're just having a lot of fun as a family. Um, we got to do a lot of really cool things now. Um, we're going to Bermuda in a couple of weeks to do some scuba diving. And so I'm just, I'm really, someone asked me the other day, how are you doing? And my answer was, I am fully content and satisfied. And that is a really cool moment or realization to get to in your life. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy back to normal racing. Um, I'm really in a good place with my mind and my body again. Um, my wife and I are both happy and healthy. And so we're, we're just going to enjoy this and not rush anything that comes next and just focus on helping other people. It's great. And, and you mentioned your, your coaching others as well. How do people find out more about that? Yeah, we're very active on social media. Our biggest platform is on Instagram. Uh, follow us at Iron Cowboy James. And then all of our coaching and everything, um, it's on on our website, ironcowboy.com. And uh, right now, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but right now we're, you can, you can, it's a membership to where you can try the first, first month for just $1 and you have access to all of our programming. And so if you, you want to do a 5k, we upload our, one of our 5k programs that'll be specific to you. And then you want to switch to Olympic triathlon racing. Great. We switch that out. And so really, really affordable. You have access to me and the coaches and the forums. Um, and so it's, it's a very affordable way to get guidance. Cause that's the one thing I needed when I was starting out is that this sport has a very steep, confusing learning curve. And with the wild, wild west in the internet out there, there's so much information. Most of it's conflicting. What do I believe? And so you don't have to coach with us, but find a reliable source out there um, that you trust uh, because it'll just really uh, enhance your experience. It'll take away a lot of that guesswork. You just have to wake up and go, okay, this is what I'm doing today. I trust the program that I'm doing. And so take that, take that worry, that concern off your plate, join a group, join a coaching group, join the community um, and just try to enjoy the whole experience. Don't rush it. Just be present.
And what I like about your philosophy too, is it's not just run, bike, swim, which a lot of these programs cover. It's strength, recovery, and uh, food, uh, nutrition, what you're well, eating. And what I'm most excited about is the, the trajectory of where our training is going. Because you're right, a lot of coaches out there, they're just like, they're experts in formulating a good sequence of swim, bike, run, and getting you ready for that. Well, newsflash, triathlon is not swim, bike, run. It's swim, bike, run, nutrition, recovery, and mental toughness. And understanding that mental piece. You can have all five of those other things and be spot on. But if you're not mentally tough, none of it matters. If you can't control the conversation in your head, none of it matters. And within our group, we're very heavy on developing that, understanding that. We're a six-discipline sport, and that's how we coach our athletes. What is a parting tip that you can give someone regarding mental toughness? I know I've heard you say that one foot in front of, in front of the other, you just do it. Um, someone else that's struggling for their maybe the first week or the first month toward a program, how do you get through that? Yeah, th it's a great question. The, the It's the number one question I get traveling. Um, how do I become more mentally tough? Because you can hear someone talk about it, you can watch something, but until you have an experience, then you're never going to develop it. It's like a muscle, right? You can watch somebody work out and you can watch the, you know, the guys get on stage and flex their muscles and that's really, really cool. But unless you pick up a weight and turn it over, mm. um, you're, you're not going to get stronger. The muscles aren't going to do anything. And so it's the same way with our mind and our mental toughness. You have to go out there and have an experience. And so really this is about not going from zero to a hundred, but it's starting where you're at today and, and, and being okay with that. Dude, everybody starts at the beginning. And and what you do is you just have to create some momentum and some small wins. Mm -hmm. So if you do have a goal to do a full distance triathlon or an Ironman, that's amazing. Put it on the shelf. Let's forget about it. Let's reverse engineer it to step one. And you don't have to worry about that goal because it's, it's down the road. You have to focus on the one thing that's going to move the needle that's going to get you closer today. Every single time a newest athlete comes on board, we give them the first week of workouts and they're like, I'm out. I if I'm having a hard time with this set of uh, workouts, I can't do an Ironman. And I'm like, we're not doing the Ironman today. Mm -hmm. And so I, I need you to, I need you to just show up and focus on the, the, the work today. And eventually when we get to that day, it's going to be a victory lap and you're going to crush it. Mm -hmm. And so that's my biggest advice is just start, be okay with where you're at today. Give yourself some grace, understand that. It's okay to be the newest member and then just show up with discipline and consistency. And by the time we get there, it's going to be a lot of fun. That's great. I love that advice. Um, for myself personally, I love getting something on the calendar because it gives me that motivation every day and, and a why behind my workouts. But you're right. It's like when I realize that, no, I'm not running the marathon today. I have to do this fartlek run or I have to do my long run or whatever it is. That's what I'm focused on. And then yep. when that's over, tomorrow's the the next thing. And if it happens to be a recovery day, that's awesome. I get a day off. If not, I gotta get after it. And then what happens is you 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 develop your why because it's it's on the calendar and then race day comes and you're prepped and ready for it. Yeah, exactly. I always have something I'm striving for, whether it's just in fitness or my relationship or parenting or something. You, you should have always something in the future that you're trying to get to that's going to push you and develop you. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer of we're never just standing still. We're either moving forward or we're moving backwards. And if you're 
don't have something on the calendar and you're not moving towards something, you're slipping, man. You're moving backwards and right. you're going to wake up one day and go, how did I get here? Right. That's awesome. Well, man, I could talk to you all, all day long. Uh, I'll dig into your website a bit more and highly encourage everyone watching and listening to this to, to yeah, check it out you. in your book and to follow you on social for cool. the next book and documentary. I'm yeah. super pumped about all of it. Awesome, man. Thanks for your time, Joe. Yeah, thank you. James, thank you for being an incredible human and a really great speaker and guest. If anyone listening to this is looking for a presenter that inspires for their next event, I highly recommend connecting with James's agent, Patrick Quinn, who's a pretty great guy himself. I'll put his contact in the show notes. I also have to give a huge shout out to my team at Go Brewing who helped me that morning set up and take down the podcast equipment and get ready for the crazy day that ensued. Chris Braggs, Brett Sogsdale, and Bruce Etzgorn. Also, huge shout out to my wife, Heather, who hasn't ran in six months, but was so inspired by James's story that she went out with us the next day and completed a five mile run at her record pace. It was pretty incredible. Last, I have to thank Brett again. It turns out this guy has another life and is an artist who created the intro and outro music you just heard. And he helped produce this podcast. You can check him out on Spotify under Milo, M-I-E-L-O. So until the next time, please comment, follow, share, all that good stuff, and check out gobrewing.com as we ship nationwide. Thanks again for being here. We are out.